Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks, share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Power of the unit in five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin edwards and joining us today folks we have the president and ceo of pride industries please give a warm welcome to mr jeff dern jeff how you doing today i'm <laughs> doing great kevin thank you great having thank you for having me on the show of course great to have another impact oriented company on the podcast today and i think maybe what separates the impact companies maybe companies with a mission as opposed to companies who are not traditionally mission-based is really the intent. The intent kind of distinguishes those organizations. So Jeff, what is the intent of Pride Industries to you? Well, our mission is to create employment for people with disabilities. So every day we do that through person-centered employment services, helping anybody with a disability uh, to get the training and job supports they need to be successful in their career path. Uh, but we also do this through our social enterprise, which is to create businesses. We run several businesses. Uh, we have 5,000 employees today. 50% of our employees are people with disabilities. And so the intent of this organization is to create employment, whether it's through our own operations and growing our businesses, uh, or doing that through community placements and to other organizations. So everybody wins uh, when somebody with a disability gets a job, 
has opportunity to pursue their career ambitions and has the support uh, to be successful. And Jeff, how are you articulating this mission across the whole company? If you were to ask, you know, the layman or the new hire who comes in, are they able to articulate this? And what's kind of your focus as a CEO to articulate this this vision? Well, I actually have the privilege of meeting with uh, most of our new employees when they start work. Uh, we've grown. Uh, we're 57 years and going as an organization. Again, as a social enterprise, uh, we have a double bottom line. We want to be successful in our business pursuits so we can have a sustainable mission. Uh, but we also are here to create that employment impact, that social impact, uh, by getting people into jobs, into careers that they may not otherwise uh, have achieved without a little bit of support along the way. So when I meet with a new employee, I remind them how important it is that they're doing their job well, because doing their job well helps us to grow our business. And by growing our business, we're creating more jobs. So you may actually impact somebody in an organization who you'll never meet. You may impact somebody who's never had a job before, who's going to have a job either at Pride or one of our employment partners. Uh, And you may never meet that person, but by doing your job really well as a collective whole, we are successful. Uh, like I said, we have about 5,000 employees today. We're in 16 states in Washington, D.C. Uh, so we're a national footprint that started locally in California, in Roseville, California. As we've grown, we want to remember how it feels to be a smaller company. We have this entrepreneurial juice that drives us to keep innovating and growing our business and expanding job opportunities. Uh, but it's really important to me as a CEO that every employee hears the message We want to stay small in terms of being person-centered, employee-friendly. And I think we do a pretty good job making sure people come first here at Pride Industries. uh, And that resonates with having uh, a couple hundred people that have been with us over 25 years. Uh, We have many employees that have come back to us after leaving to other pursuits. Uh, There's something really unique and special about our culture and our mission that being person-centered in both uh, it really helps to bring people together to create something bigger than ourselves. And that's what we do here at Pride. I love to lean into that a little bit more, Jeff, in terms of scale, growing an organization, but still maintaining those core values, that quality. How does one do that? So I guess the question would be is scale. How do you define it? And how do you think about it? Well, I mean, scale is you know, doing something really well, but keeping it as simple and focused as you can. Um, If you get too involved in too many things, you you can lose your focus, lose your identity. So the fact that our mission statement is so simple and focused, I think is really a driver for that, Kevin. Uh, We go into businesses knowing that we're going to create employment opportunities for people with disabilities. You know, when you think about scale, um, think about this number, 30 million people in the United States have a disability uh, in our working age. The working age individuals with disabilities is 30 million and over 70% of them are not currently employed. So when we think about employing, you know, about 2,500 people in our operations with disabilities, and we think about placing and serving, providing services to another you know, 1,500 or a couple thousand out in the communities that we serve, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the need the social need is so great. And that's why we're just as active recruiting other employers who want to uh, have better retention 
um, an additional talent acquisition approach to help them secure talent and be successful in their operations. We're going out there and teaching other companies what it means to be successful in being fully inclusive and offering opportunities to people with disabilities by giving them the supports they need. So for us, scale is about, again, expanding our reach to impact as many people as we can. Uh, it's not just people with disabilities, it's others that face barriers to employment. Now, if you're facing a barrier to employment, it could be, I don't have a way to get to work. I have a transportation or mobility challenge. It might be that I don't have a traditional education and I need to go through other channels to get the training and skills I need. Um, what it doesn't mean is that you don't have any abilities or, or gifts or calling. Everybody has gifts and strengths and skills. Uh, what we're doing is focusing on what somebody can do and not on what they can't do. And so that really goes through the heart of our whole organization. We see so many examples and testimonies of people who've overcome barriers, overcome challenges, um, and they've had some support along the way. I mean, all of us have had support along the way. There's not a human being in existence that hasn't had support. So to be able to scale what we do, it's not about the volume and the pure numbers. It's about each and every person that we're supporting or employing have an opportunity to belong and be successful and that the organization understands what it means to support them. And we do that as a team, do that very collaboratively. And I think what I noticed there is a, a big opportunity for retention, uh, giving someone an opportunity that maybe otherwise they wouldn't have, maybe feeling more grateful, working, being more productive. In terms of like just the peer acquisition of these employees, like why do you think businesses, I guess, are hiring more uh, folks uh, with disabilities? I want to be too broad, of course many different disabilities out there, but statistically in your experience, what do you think is like a main driver for these businesses to start being more inclusive with their hiring practices? I think it's, it's a couple of things. It's, it's culture and tone at the top. I believe that when the leaders really embrace uh, that this is not necessarily something that we fully understand how to do, but we have to you know, educate ourselves, uh, put in place, um, some processes uh, that are more inclusive, uh, that are um, not just the same processes we've done for the last 20 or 30 years, or even the last five years, uh, but being open-minded to learning how to attract people of different backgrounds, different skill sets, and various disabilities. Like you said, there's, there's all kinds of different disabilities in the world, hard to generalize. Uh, so it starts with that open mindset in a culture that's really person-centered. If a company chooses, and I use that word very intentionally, company chooses to be intentional about opening up its talent acquisition funnel to people of these different backgrounds and experiences and skill sets, um, they're going to find that there's a lot of really talented, smart people that just need a little bit of support along the way. Um, so the tone at the top and culture. Part of the culture is training and education down to the hiring managers, the supervisors, the people that are really working hands-on with individuals if it's a frontline job. You know, there's many jobs that people with disabilities can do all the way up to the C-suite and sit on boards of directors. I mean, there's, there's no limits to what people can do. Uh, but if the management that are making hiring decisions understand what a person with disability is experiencing when they apply for a job, or the way they may communicate differently with a certain type of disability, just a basic level of understanding of what the other person's experiencing 
can help them overcome any biases they might be carrying that would tell them that this person may not be a good fit. Interesting. And I'm just like curiosity, like in terms of like impact metrics, is there a number or a metric that you've decided to focus on that can galvanize whether it's uh, the sales team or, you know, um, just the company as a whole, maybe it's, it's people hired, uh, maybe it's retention over a period of time. Is there a certain impact metrics? Maybe it's bringing people out of, out of poverty. I don't know. Is there a specific metric that you've decided to focus on that helps with maybe their articulation of what you're doing? Well, at Pride Industries, we measure both on a headcount basis and in some cases on hours worked, uh, what the contribution of our employees with disabilities um, you know, contribute to the whole. We have some goals that we set internally. So I think it's important to have metrics, important to have goals, uh, but those in and of themselves um, will probably fall flat if you don't have the culture and the, the training and support structure to you know, tone at the top say that this is a, a way of doing business. This is a way of reaching more people that could contribute to the overall mission of the organization. Uh, so there's, there's many different metrics. It's probably some of the traditional metrics, but um, you know, here at Pride Industries, we take an approach to making sure that our candidate uh, pools are diverse, right? Including people with disabilities. Uh, so we'll be more patient in selecting a candidate pool so that we can be intentional make sure we have diversity on the front end of that process. And then we have our interview process um, is all designed around eliminating uh, as much of the bias as we can out, out of the selection and interview questions, just to level the playing field. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different things you can do process-wise and metrics-wise to, to bring to the surface you know, what's actually happening. I love that. And in terms of like just growth, obviously you're responsible for the whole, not just the sales, the marketing, the support, the training, but the whole. Jeff, in your day-to-day, in your week, maybe it's just this week, maybe it's last week, if you had a pie chart, where do you find yourself spending most of your time? Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, most of my time is spent on on people. You know, um, I'm a people person by nature. I spend most of my time uh, meeting with our leadership, meeting with employees, hearing what's going on in the organization, uh, looking at our strategies and, and what our goals are as an organization. Are they congruent? Um, are we working on too many things? Are we focused enough? And then ultimately, uh, making sure we're always marching to the tune of our mission to create employment for people with disabilities. There's a lot of business things that we can do that may not contribute to that, but most of what we do uh, is laser focused. And if we find areas where we're, we're venturing off in a different direction, uh, we were, we have to rein it in and make sure that we are upholding our social enterprise purpose. Uh, so that's why we have so much that we do in the community. Um, you know, for me to be focused on um, any one area of operations without the people part first uh, would be hard to keep that mission focused. And, and thinking about the people in your organization, like what, what does it take to become successful in Pride Industries? If you're a new hire in the organization, what's kind of that pathway to success? What does a person need to have, whether it's a soft skill or a hard skill, to be successful in Pride Industries? 
But I think first and foremost, just having a hunger to advance our mission, to help support the mission. Uh, that's what keeps people here. That's what attracts people to our company. Uh, it's just that real focus purpose of why we exist, that all of us understand why we're here. Um, I'd also say that, you know, aligning to our core values of teamwork and integrity, um, innovation and tenacity, these are our four core values. Uh, that's what keeps people, I think, going in the right direction to achieve their goals here at Pride and help contribute over the long term. And have you found in your experience just like an incentive structure that's worked best for you? Maybe it's on performance, maybe it's on something else. Is there an incentive structure that you found to be, I guess, the most uh, effective in your organization? You know, I, I think every organization is still always evolving in that that area. I don't think I've found one specific thing, um, you know, in terms of a structure, but the, the core of an incentive system needs to align to the purpose of the organization and align to how you measure success. So I think there's a variety of ways to achieve that. Uh, we believe in sharing our success with our employees. Uh, we are a social enterprise. And so uh, everything that we do to make money goes back into the mission. And so it's not, uh, we're not ownership based. We don't have anybody that owns any part of Pride Industries. Uh, so we know that when we're successful, we're going to create more jobs. We're going to grow our businesses, create more partnerships in the community. And so those are the things that we really um, focus our incentive programs around is the, is the, the one pride success comes first. Uh, and then there's all the individual uh, skill building and, and, you know, outcomes that people deliver. We want to reward those uh, when we're all successful. I like that. We've been talking a lot about success today and of course, success, doesn't come without at least a little bit of failure, Jeff. Uh, wondering if you could talk to, you know, a difficult time you've had. So when I ask you the question of, you know, a failure, a moment in time, an experience you've had where it's been extremely difficult, whether it's now in Pride Industries or just you personally, what resonates with you? Gosh, uh, how much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess if I was to pinpoint uh, one thing, um, sometimes just not not making enough space to do that creative thinking. You know, like you you said earlier, we get so busy, and um, there's so many things to do. Where do you focus your time? Um, you know, sometimes I, I fail to actually just make time to go get that workout in. You know, got a goal for how many workouts I'm getting in. Um, and if you're not physically feeling well, or you're not um, sharp mentally, if you're not taking care of your whole self, uh, that can definitely affect your perspective on, you know, a, an issue that comes your way. So, you know, I think that for me, uh, I've been CEO here for three years. I follow in the big footsteps of a gentleman, Michael Ziegler, who was our CEO for 37 years, really the founding CEO, uh, although he didn't start in 1966 when we were literally founded, uh, he was a founding CEO of our social enterprise model. Um, so I'm still uh, feeling out my way as a CEO and um, you know it's very challenging at times. And sometimes I think I put uh, more pressure on myself uh, because I want us to be so successful and I wanna make sure we continue that great legacy of Mike Ziegler. So, so I think just taking time out to make sure you're, you're taking care of yourself as well as everybody else is probably one of the areas I, I would say I need to work on. And Jeff, like, what do you think is the most unique aspect 
of being a CEO. I mean, not not a lot of people in this world fully understand how rare of an opportunity this is and how different it is from even just one, let's say, level down, if you will. So in, in your experience, like, what is the m- most unique aspect of being a CEO to you? Well, I think um, you may not have as many internal sounding boards uh, when you want to balance ideas, um, you know, but I have a great board of directors. I have uh, many mentors and, um, you know, groups that I network with that I can go to for some of that uh, wisdom, advice, guidance. Uh, but I think it's, it's uh, you know, cliche, but they say lonely at the top. I think sometimes you you just need to make sure you're not subscribing to that thought and you're actually actively pursuing finding those connections and finding ways to get um, feedback. You know, we believe feedback's a gift here at Pride. I believe that has helped me in my career, uh, seeking mentors uh, and actively um, taking an active posture in your own growth. It, it never stops no matter what position you're in. And I think that's you know just a different perspective being at the CEO level. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. And thank you for sharing your experience here on the Realtors Podcast today. Let's bring this home, Jeff, and all of this. What is your definition of a real leader? You know, my definition is a uh, real leader is very humble and teachable. I think without those two qualities, you're, you're not going to be able to continuously learn and grow, uh, seeking input from others. Um, you have to be decisive, but I think if you lose your humility or your teachability, um, I think that your CEO career might be might be fairly limited. Absolutely well said and, and very wise advice here on the show today. Jeff, thank you so much for your time coming on the Religious Podcast and streaming live on LinkedIn today for Jeff Dern. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be humble, teachable, and always keep it real. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate your time. Okay, live stream is stopped. Recording is stopped, Recording Jeff, stopped. You're the man. You killed it today on the episode. Hey, Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realtors.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.